Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration for our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we are talking about The House of the Spirits and Mary and the Witch's Flower. Alright, so we're back for round two. We're right on schedule. We're doing okay. I think we can do this. We're off and running. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been a busy week, or two weeks, I guess, since we last talked, but we've been reading and watching some stuff and cooking some delicious things, Um, Mm -hmm. and lots of other stuff is going on, so why don't we start off with Tasty Time, where we talk about what's going on in fiction food. Tasty time. Yep. First off, we want to uh, mention a literary tea party, which is a cookbook that just came out uh, by Allison Walsh, and she is the creator of Allison's Wonderland Recipes. So she's uh, someone in the fandom foodie community, and uh, this tea party book has like tea blend recipes plus tea party foods like finger foods um, all from classic literature so White Fang, Sherlock Holmes Little Women Alice in Wonderland of course Wizard, yeah, of, Wizard Oz. of Oz yeah so really some some fun the Hobbit. A, yeah and The Hobbit that's true yeah so that's a really fun fun uh, cookbook fandom cookbook that just came out and it's published through Skyhorse Skyhorse Publishing Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, we've talked about her on the show before because she does, like, she picks, like, a monthly theme and does stuff all through the month. Um, So, yeah, like, a lot of fun. So we'll definitely post a link um, to her cookbook in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And also, it is, the, the fandom foodies theme of this month is... Hashtag food of the gods. We're cooking yeah. up all kinds of mythical meals and um, stuff like that. There's a bunch of people have posted already, but the the link up will be open all through the month. Um, anybody is welcome to participate. Please cook something inspired by mythology or um, even modern interpretations of that, and you can check that out too. And so, and yeah, it we, can be god adjacent, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. So. We talked yeah. about this adjacent. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we made adjacent. some really bad puns. Yeah, yeah. so like yeah, but you have some like other kind of mythological creature or whatever that's not like technically a god or whatever, but it's like, you know, cuz that, that's, that's my recipe. Not... I haven't posted it yet, but like it's it's like a Japanese inspired, yeah. Okay. But it's Yeah, we're it's not going to be Yeah. Ex- oh, <laughs> excellent. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we're not going to be pedantic and smite down your yeah. Whatever, like, recipe. But, like, Wonder Sorry. Woman and Thor, the, like, yeah. those, some of those recipes have been posted, so that's, like, yeah. inspired by, yeah, mytholo- mythology. And it can be any any world mythology, right? Any kind of... Yes, yeah. any, yeah. It doesn't have to be Greek. It could be from anywhere, so... Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, something else we wanted to talk about, <laughs> very exciting. Why don't you give the details on the Zelda cookbook? Yeah, so this is something that has exploded, kind of, um, in in the popularity or, or demand. It's, it's an exciting thing that um, Brian Connor over at Level One Chef and I worked on along with uh, a, an artist named, or the screen name is Shattered Earth. Um, she organized a... Hyrule Taste of the Wild fanzine 
cookbook and and she invited Brian and I to be the chefs for that and then uh, several other really great artists uh, to be a part of it as well so Shattered Earth, Milk Bun, Mayuki, Finny Chang, Chio, and One Megawatt those are so those are all the people who participated and yeah so there are a bunch of recipes uh, inspired by Breath of the Wild, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild game on Switch, and just beautiful, beautiful illustrations, food illustrations and character illustrations. Uh, and we'll put a link. Um, it's been selling like crazy. Uh, so you you have a copy somewhere <laughs> in the <laughs> Yes, in the I mail. ordered my copy, yeah. and I was just I was just checking before the show. It's MIA um, right like, now, but <laughs> yeah, I was like, it should have gotten here by now, and I was like, hmm. Looks like it was delivered. Somebody in your household probably thought it was for them. I know. I'm like, okay. (laughs) They've been reading it in their room. You know, shake people (laughs) down for my my magazine. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait to see it. Like, the the pictures look awesome. Like, the artwork's beautiful, like you said. And then I can't wait to see the recipes. So, I think I'm, like, blushing right now, too, because, like, I I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't gotten my copy yet. But, like... Yeah, it's one of those things where it it's really so super exciting, but I'm also like, wow. it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I post it's stuff happening. on my blog, but I mean, it feels different when it's in print. Yeah, like, like a physical thing. It, it makes yeah. me kind of like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same way with like the Bee and Puppy Cat cookbook that I have recipes in. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so this is super exciting. Uh, we'll put a link uh, right now, I guess, I think for like maybe a a newer print or a second printing um that it's a pre-order right now so like for a a new batch of cookbooks because they've been selling out so yeah um, but we'll, we'll put a link to that uh so you can okay. if you're interested <laughs> anyway that's it um and one more thing we didn't um want this week to go by without mentioning anthony bourdain um, mm-hmm. Really sad his passing this week. He was really respectful to different cultures and, you know, really excited about food. And I read his book, Kitchen Confidential. Um, it was, like, really interesting how he got his start in the food world. Um, and just, like, you know, a really beautiful person. It's really sad. Yeah. And also, you know, we talk about um, food and fiction. And he loved comics. Uh, like, he actually wanted to be a comic creator at one point. Um, and so he has a couple of comics out that you can read. Uh, he has two Get Jiro uh, comics, so Get Jiro and Get Jiro Blood and Sushi. Uh, and then he has a horror anthology uh, called Hungry Ghosts. And so it's all food-related. Um, so that's just, you know, he has he has um, prose books out, but he also has comics as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it will be missed. So, um, I'm talking this week about The House of the Spirits, which is a book um, by Isabel Allende. It was published in 1982, I believe. Um, I read this book first in high school and loved it. She became one of my favorite authors. I've read this book several times, and um, 
I like ended up reading a bunch of her other books too, but this one's always been my favorite. I think it's one of her first books, and um, I've always come back to it. I haven't read it in a good, well, I don't want to tell you the number of years because then you can date me, <laughs> but it's been quite a while. But um, like I, I just became inspired to read it again because I told, um, you know, I told Jonathan it was one of my favorite books. We were just kind of going through, you know, books we enjoyed, and he. <laughs> picked it up at a, well, <laughs> he picked it up twice at a used bookstore, because he frequents them, <laughs> and I think found it one time, and then went back and found it again, and forgot he had already bought it, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and then I also had a copy, so we had, like, three copies, like, floating <laughs> around the house, I'm like, you know, I had this, I could have lent it to you, <laughs> but I was like, okay, this is like a sign, I need to read this again, so I picked it up, and it's one of those books that, like, even though I haven't read it in, in a long time, I have, like, a handful of books that I read over and over again, and they just feel so, like, comforting and, like, warm, and I'm like, this is what I need right now, and, I, and like, I remember, like, the edges of the plot and then, like, little passages, you know, but, like, other than that, like, it's, like, reading it fresh, so it's, like, a really nice combination of, like, familiar and, and new, because I don't remember exactly how everything happened um, and she's a beautiful writer. She um, she just like is so descriptive and so wonderful. She follows um, a family and um, follows most closely like the women in the family um, through three generations. It starts like sometime I believe like sometime around 1920 and goes all the way up through the 80s. Um, it takes place in Chile. And so you have all kinds of, like, historical events kind of um, going on in the backdrop, like the Chilean Revolution, you know, happens. Um, there is, like, a giant earthquake that happens, which I looked up to see if it was real or not, because, you know, Chile is on a fault line, so, like, they have earthquakes all the time. But this particular one, I think, was fictional. But um, mm-hmm. it's, like, a big event in the book. Um, but, yeah, so it, it um, starts starts off following um, Clara, who, in the reason it's called the House of the Spirits is because she is Clara the Clairvoyant. She can see the future in certain ways. She talks to spirits around the house. She um, can move things. Like, you know, she's telekinetic, but not like, she's not like super powerful. You know, she can move like, they like they talk about like the salt cellar sliding down the kitchen table. <laughs> or like, um, you know, she's clairvoyant, but sometimes she has kind of trouble interpreting what's going on. Um, so, but she's very, you know, very spiritual, very, um, yeah. And then she has a daughter, Blanca, who, um, grows up and they travel between their home in, um, in the city and then out in the country they have a property called Tres Marias. And so they go there every summer and then, um, there's a lot of characters that live there, a lot of people that, like, work for the family, because their family's, like, pretty well-to-do, but then there's a lot of, like, um, like, lower-class workers, but that becomes, like, a big plot point, too, you know, as, as, um, you know, socialism starts, like, becoming a thing, um, and then Blanca's daughter, Alma, is, um, becomes, like, pretty involved in the revolution, so it's, it's, um, it's, like, very interesting, follows the family, um, and just, like, it's very, it's a magical realism book, you know, so, like, but it's very light on the magic, I would say, you know, like, you've got, like, Mm kind of weird things happening, like I said, with the spirits and whatnot, but for the most part, it's pretty realistic, but it's still very, like, whimsical, and, like, crazy stuff happens all the time, but stuff that, like, wouldn't be too far outside the realm of reality. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, perfect magical realism. 
Yeah, it's a super fun book. Um, and, you know, like, there, there are sad things, but like I said, for the most part, it's, it's very sweet and very, like, just kind of unusual, but it is, like, for me, at least, like I said, it's a nostalgic read. Um, and back to the, back to the food mentions, um, you know, I thought, I have, like, kind of a theory what's going on here, (laughs) so, um, you know, things are mentioned from time to time, like, you know, they come back to the house with pastries, or they have, like, um, fruit preserves, they talk a uh, a lot about when they go to the Trace Maria's, like, um, just kind of, like, the wholesome country food they have there, you know, they, um, they're always making preserves and fresh baked bread, and plucking chickens and, um, you know, cooking them (laughs) and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, one thing that they do mention specifically is, like, always when they come to the, um, come for the first night, they've had, like, a long day of traveling from the city, and they always have the same chicken casserole dish, it says in my Mm. copy. So I was like, chicken casserole? What in the world? So I looked up, um, Chilean chicken casserole to see what I could find. And apparently, the national dish of Chile or Chile is cazuela, which is translates, I guess, from Spanish to casserole. Because, like, if you mm. said cazuela in Spain, it would mean like a casserole dish. Mm-hmm. But in Chile, it means like the soup stew type dish. So, um, and I've actually eaten it before. I'm like, oh, okay, I, like you know, I just didn't remember like this is the name of it. So when it says casserole, like, like I don't think it means. I think it was, like, translated to casserole, but it actually means, like, more of a super stew. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's, so I think there may be, like, when, whenever they say pastries in the book, I think maybe my translation, like, I think it might have been more specific, or the name of a specific pastry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that may be what, what happened. So between your, between your three copies of the book, are they the same? I want, because I wonder if, like, different editions might have yeah. I don't well we ended up like getting rid of two of them oh, yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> like recycling them back to the used bookstore we're like okay um yeah. so I and, but the thing is I used to have a Spanish language copy oh. um and cause mm-hmm. like I was a Spanish major in college and like I've lost so much of it now it's very sad but like right after school I was trying to read books that like I had already read in English in Spanish, mm-hmm. so that I would have, like, kind of a clue what was going on, but then I would pick up new words and stuff, and so House of the Spirits was one of those books, and, um, I, I wish I had that copy now that I could go and check, like, exactly mm-hmm. what it said, you know, but I don't anymore. Yeah. I'm sure I, I could seek curious. it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm curious to seek it out just out of curiosity instead of, like, making these wild speculations. No, well, it's it like, sounds, you know, I was like, you know, correct, I, I could so. find this, I could find this out pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, let me, um, let me talk a little bit about, like, some of the, the, well, I guess I mentioned most of the food stuff. Um, like I, like I said, there's a huge, um, uh, earthquake in the book, and so at one point they're eating off of these, like, um, you know, all their dishes broke, so they're just eating off of these, like, clay slabs, which I thought was kind of nice, and they're trying to have, like, a nice dinner (laughs) and whatever, Mm -hmm. a family dinner. Um, and, and, and just those type of things, um. Clara, it's said several times, is, like, a terrible housekeeper because she's so, because she's so, like, in tune to the spirit world, she's very, like, kind of flighty and distracted in the real world, and so she doesn't, like, keep house very well, but everybody loves her, so she's got, like, people taking care of that kind of stuff for her, 
But, you know, in, in the earthquake, her, um, her husband, and he is, like, his own character. He's, like, a very, um, just, like, has a very strong personality. He loves her, but he kind of goes about it in a, the wrong way. But in the earthquake, he, like, broke all his bones, and so he just becomes, like, terrible-tempered and, you know, is making her take care of him. He won't let anybody else near him. And so she is forced to do all the kneading. So um, every day she's, like, in the kitchen kneading bread and plucking chickens and that type of thing. So she's kind of forced to come back to the real world and do housework. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so back to the to the cazuela, like, that, I, I told you again beforehand that, like, I had planned to make this yesterday, but I went to the store in the evening, and they were out of, like, several key ingredients. I'm like, okay, mm. I'm gonna have to go shopping again today somewhere else, but, um, I planned to make it, and, and, um, like I said, I had had it before, um, and what's interesting about it is, um, so it is, like, a super stew, but it's made with chicken, but I'm... <laughs> a super stew. Well, it's like a broth. It's like a brothy stew. So it's going to be super though. So yes, it is going to a super stew. (laughs) Yeah, that's super stew. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Yeah, but you make it with like whole pieces of chicken, bone in. But I like we vegetarian at home, so I'm going to replace those with beans. Um, but I'm just telling you, like, the nature of the dish. So, mm-hmm. and then, um, like, corn on the cob, like, still on the cob, you cook it into the mm-hmm. stew. And then, like, big chunks of, um, like, either pumpkin or butternut squash, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, potatoes, carrots, like, root vegetable type things. And it's very lightly seasoned with just, like, a few herbs. And then just, like, a really nice broth. And then you can serve it alongside, like, um like hot sauce or something like that to kind of give it a little bit more flavor but then Mm -hmm. um yeah you can serve it over rice or i'm going to serve mine with like a crusty bread um and yeah it's just like a nice comforting meal and so that seems like exactly the type of thing they would eat when they first come to their country house so yeah the plan is to make that today um yeah and i think it'll be very nice and comforting just like this book nice yeah and yeah Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and you said, so it, it's also a movie adaptation, right? Has exactly. Well, you, you were probably just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I wanted, um, yeah, we'll get into that. There is a 1993 movie, which I do not recommend. Okay. Because despite, yeah, it's, like, terrible. I've seen it, but, I, yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody to watch it because, Despite having, like, a number of lovely actors in it, it's got Meryl Streep, Winona Ryder, Jeremy Irons. If you notice um, a common thread between these people is that they're all white. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. I was like, wait. What? Yeah. So this and, uh, was, a, a like, a U.S. adaptation Yeah, this was, like, thing. but, yeah. like, no, but it's terrible. It's, like, they're, well, it, no, it's not a U.S. adaptation. It's supposed to take place in Chile. Like, these people. Oh, okay. It, it's. <laughs> It's, it's the very 90s thing of, like, talking with an accent, but these are American actors talking with, like, what they think is a Spanish accent or whatever. I don't know. It's Whoops. just, yeah, it's, it's awful. It's, like, yes, yeah, it's, it's the worst whitewashing or whatever, so, like, we're just going to pretend that doesn't exist. But yeah. what what sold me to, like, do this as our, as our, you know, podcast thing this time is I was just Googling it about different things, and they're going to make it into a Hulu series. 
which ah. I'm quite excited about because, like, Hulu has done an amazing job. They've got, like, stuff like The Handmaid's Tale, which is just, you know, blows you away. And, like, in, in 2018, you know, I don't think we're going to stand for, yeah. like, a whitewashed version of this. So I think, like, we'll probably get the Latin American actors, writers, directors that we should have gotten, right. you know, with the 1993 movie. So, like, I'm actually really looking forward to that, and I hope they do a great job with it. Nice, that is exciting. Do you know when it might come out, or is it still kind of... Yeah, I was trying to find out right before this, and I saw a couple articles, but none of them had a date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so stay tuned. I'm sure, you know, we'll get more details as time goes on, and, you know, but but I am, yeah, I I do think that's exciting, so hopefully they'll do a good job with it. Yeah, I'm really liking, like, Netflix and Hulu, like, the streaming services are doing more of their... Yeah, uh, more series, and it feels like they can. They have more room to exactly. They can do, do exactly what they want. Good with things. It more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> creative, creative freedom, but also like social responsibility. I feel like you know to yes tell important stories phrase. respectfully. So yeah, yeah. So I think that would be yeah. I think it's an awesome idea to kind of make this into a series. Very cool. Mary and the Witch's Flower is a film, that's the title of a film that is actually based on a book that's called The Little Broomstick. So I'll be talking about both of them, but mostly the film because that's where the food is. <laughs> oh, okay. Have you you've yeah. also read the book? Yes, I have, and it's yeah, it's a wonderful little book. Um, yeah, so the book, the little broomstick, uh, was written by Mary Stewart. She's a British author, and it was published in 1971 in the UK, and then it it came over the next year to the US. Um, so in 72, it was published. So this is. An old, er, book. <laughs> so it's more like the classic children's literature, um, and it's it's a relatively short book actually. Um, I mean, it doesn't look short, but I feel the story feels short. Um, so that's something I really appreciate with the film is uh, that the the screenwriters or the film kind of filled it out. So this was so I feel that the Mary and the Witch's Flower film was a really good adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> which is which actually like I feel like we don't get that too often, right? No, you're like, right. Yeah, like most of the time, oh, the book is better, of course, but you know, I think sometimes yeah, a movie can yeah. kind of fill in things like you said. Yeah, so this so and and this didn't like even some of the Studio Ghibli films. Well, I mean, like when Marnie was there and I mean, the, Ghibli usually does a really good job at um doing adaptations uh, but some of even some of them have been very loose like Howl's Moving Castle was I mean it was a great film and it's also a great book but they're like they but deviated they definitely took yeah, it, it definitely deviated, took yeah. with the um, and the reason material. and the reason why I say Studio Ghibli but I'm talking about a Studio Ponic film <laughs> is because <laughs> Studio Ponic uh, was founded by Yoshiaka Nishimura, who was a producer for Studio Ghibli, and so because Studio Ghibli is kind of, 
I don't know if you can say it's on hiatus anymore, but like, I mean, it still exists, but they're not producing feature films. Well, I guess Miyazaki has come out of retirement for like the hundredth time <laughs> and, and, and is working on a, a feature length film. I think it started as a short film he was doing for the Ghibli Museum, but he's... Anyway, so, but that's, there's not a lot of information about that. Um, but, but basically, Studio Ghibli, like the, the animators for Ghibli and um, people who worked with Ghibli, they, they did, like, didn't have anything to do. <laughs> and so um, Yoshiaki Nishimura founded Studio Ponuk um, for some of those animators and, and people who worked with Studio Ghibli to, to come and work at, like, to, to make films again uh, and so yeah yeah you can definitely tell from like the art style and the feel that yeah, it's very ghibli-esque maybe <laughs> so i i basically put them together like like whenever i make lists or folders or whatever like with mm-hmm. you know when i'm trying to organize my food or um yeah it's stuff, totally reasonable like, that makes sense. i put slash it's like studio ghibli slash ponic like yeah <laughs> it's all the same um and so, yeah, so Mary and the Witch's Flower is their, is Studio Ponic's first feature film, uh, and it has done so well. Uh, it's been, like, nominated for awards, and, yeah, it, and it came out um, summer 2017 in Japan, and then it had a special release in January 2018 in the U.S., which I was so sad. I was, like, so excited, but then we moved to Germany and I was like no I can't see it in the theater so but May 1st the Blu-ray was released through G-Kids and G-Kids um, re- excuse me has the rights to um, all of the Ghibli films as well so you can like find all of those great films from G-Kids um, but yeah the Blu-ray came out May 1st so I finally I have watched it <laughs> I finally saw it and um, but something kind of cool about Studio Ponic just like a a side tidbit is because, uh, like, Ponic, what is that? Um, it's actually the Polish word for midnight, and um, Nishimura chose it because it's the idea of like before the sunrise or a start of a new day, which is oh, okay, pretty cool because it's yeah, no, I love it's like I love pe- it. people from Ghibli, and then you know, Ghibli hasn't really been producing, and so. Studio Ponic is like the start of a new day, like for for these great films, like yeah, more no, great I like films. It. Yeah, uh, and so yes, so the book is a lovely little book, um, and then the film just like filled it out and just made it very lush. Like you're saying that yeah, the Ghibli style is very much the Ghibli style of animation, and um, it's it's a really really great film like I really loved it um and it's cool because the, it was directed by um Hiramasa Yonobayashi uh who did The Secret World of Arietti which was oh, also okay. based on a British author's the book Bar- The Borrowers yeah by Mary Norton and he and he also directed When Marnie Was There which was based on a book by Joan G. Roberts Robinson that was also a British author. So like <laughs> So he so yeah, so here Masayonobayashi does really great films. And then even the um the music was scored by someone uh Takagat Takagatsu Morimatsu who did um when Marnie was there. Anyway, so it's just it's just I think it's cool that it's 
like it feels good to me that all these people from Ghibli worked on this film. It like makes it it makes it feel cool to me, I guess, because I, I love I just I love Ghibli films. Anyway, so I was I'm sharing that just in case other people might be like, oh yeah, I love Ghibli too. I'm totally gonna be all about Mary, which is like, <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Like I said, so the the film is a really good adaptation and expounding, I guess, of the book. So the the movie, I think, really gets at the meat of the book. Um, and it, it so the the basic idea is that there's this girl named Mary. Her parents are away, so she gets sent to live in the country with her great aunt Charlotte. And uh, Charlotte also has a like a housekeeper or a companion. Uh, named Miss Banks, uh, and they changed her name from the book as like Miss Miss Marjorie Banks or Miss Marsh Banks in the book. Um, anyway, and so Mary's kind of like an awkward girl, kind of gets in the way. Uh, I mean, she wants to be helpful, but um, and it, so she, but yeah, the basic idea is she goes, she finds a magic flower <laughs> <laughs> and a broomstick <clears throat> and a cat. Two cats actually, but one cat disappears. Dun dun. <laughs> so in the book, they go. The broom takes Mary and one of the little cats to a magic school. It's not Hogwarts. <laughs> to a magic school, and they discover that. Well, I don't want to. I don't know if this is spoilers, but they discover that experiments are being done on animals. Oh no. Yeah, and and of course, so this is like a real world um, parallel too that Mary Stewart, the author, was kind of touching on about you know animals being used in science experiments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, but this is a children's book, and and but it, so it's not nothing like super horrible. Happens. So this is yeah. they're doing magic magic experiments and like changing animals into mixed up creatures, like piece of this piece of that like that yeah i mean they're not there's no cutting up sorry i shouldn't have said pieces there's <laughs> not, not so they're just using magic to do experiment like transformation experiments right and they're right. using animals and um i guess spoiler in the film they kind of up that to the goal is to do magic experiments on humans to make like a magical human like a, a human that has Ooh great magical power like that's the goal of doing with all these experiments um and so that kind of adds more uh, severity to it or you know more like right uh, what's what's the word like uh, we, gotta, ups, ups the stakes. we gotta stop this yeah the stakes there we go yeah also in the house of the spirits there are several times mentioned um Animals that have like are, are like fantastical, like with different parts and stuff. So that's an interesting oh, like mm-hmm. parallel because yeah, one of the one of the sisters in the beginning does um, embroidery and, and embroiders like animals with like one part of one animal and one part of another, and then later mm-hmm. unknowingly like um, Blanca, okay. the daughter, like does clay. Um, moldings of like different animals, and it's just kind of like a thread running through their family. So that's that's neat that there's that like overlap yeah, interesting. between the two pieces. Yeah, I guess in mythology and uh, you know all around the world, there's always that there ha- there's those cre- fantastical creatures that yeah are kind of like chimera esque or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So in yeah in this, so so basically Mary saves the animals, <laughs> and the well, flower you, the flower and the broom help her do that. And there's also a boy named Peter who also you know lives in the area, um, and he in the book. He's like the vicar's son, and the family, the vicar's family is like on vacation, but then I guess they come back from vacation, and Peter gets, is looking for the other cat. Anyway, yeah, the other cat was taken by the, the people and used in an experiment. Anyway, well, both cats actually were in the book, but only one cat was in the movie. <laughs> so, but in the movie, in the movie, they changed Peter, that he is the son of a single mom, and he loves his mom, and we never meet the mom, but like, he... I think it was interesting that they, like, he says a few lines where you, like, he's a really dutiful son. Like, he would do anything for his mom. So it's kind of interesting that they, that we never actually meet her, but he, like, they portray him as, like, that's his character. Okay. Um, like, I have to get back to my mom. Or, like, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he gets kidnapped by the magic school, so Mary has to save him, which is... Yeah, again, upping the stakes, but like, yeah, the the film. So the film, even though it, it is, it adds things and changes things from the book. I like. It's still very faithful adaptation. Like even down to her tying zinnias or tying flowers to um, poles with the gardener's ebony. Like like that's a lot of little details are in the movie. It's really cool. Um, so as for food in the book. There's zero. <laughs> like I was really sad. Aww. It it's one of those things where I mean, there's a scene where it's Tib the cat is drinking milk from a saucer and he's like getting it everywhere. Uh-huh. So there's that that food, yeah. I guess. But cat milk. but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, cat milk, a saucer of milk. But otherwise, like breakfast is mentioned or dinner is mentioned. But, but nothing specific. But the food, yeah, it's just they they sit down and they look at their plate. But they're like, there's not, there's no food, like, there's no food on that plate, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so, so that was, that's that in the book. But, um, in the film, because it is very, you know, it's by the people, Ghibli people, (laughs) like, so we know the food is going to be great, right? It's going to look amazing, and there's going to be food. Oh, yes. We've talked in depth about... Like, food with a capital F. About Ghibli food, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so Studio Ponic... And that that surface ...carries over that tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the surface tension. The surface tension. There there wasn't too much... Well, well, yes, with the, the flower. Okay, so the witch's flower itself... So in the film, they really did replicate it well with, with how it's described in the book, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So the surface ten- surface tension um, is so the flower is not a food, but it is very liquidy when you squish it. <laughs> so there's that that very yeah like um, signature Ghibli okay. liquid like blah, 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 like <laughs> anyway. Um, so for food, there's like there's tea. There's a beautiful um, little picnic kind of. It takes place in in um, Europe or like in England, I guess, like maybe English countryside. But there's like a a little kind of like a woven bento type of square box um, that the the uh, housekeeper 
puts a couple little sandwiches in for Mary to take as she goes out, you know, to explore. Uh-huh. And I really want to make these sandwiches that, like, <laughs> I, like, freeze-framed so I could, like, look at it. <laughs> so it, it looks, yeah, it looks like, um, like, maybe sourdough bread slices. They're kind of, like, oval bread slices. And then watercress. And Lovely. maybe prosciutto, prosciutto, or it's like red, red meat slices with like little pinkish stripes. So maybe, maybe it's like prosciutto or something. Um, and then that's when she first meets the black cat Tib, because she gives he like wanders over to her while she's eating outside, and and she um, gives him a little piece of meat. Uh, and then there's raspberry jam. Uh, apparently the raspberries from Redmond are the best ever. Yes, ha 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 ha. <laughs> that's what that's what Peter says when he receives a, ras- a jar of raspberry jam as a gift. Um, Mary's great aunt Charlotte made some jam and and gave it to her to give to Peter, and he's like super excited about it. Very nice. And we see a beautiful shot of this. So I, ha- I took screenshots. I'll like share them <laughs> on nice. uh, on our Instagram, but. Uh, and then the dining hall. Okay, so there's the magic, the school of magic, um, and Mary is getting a tour by the headmistress, Madame Mumblechook, and they're like floating around on a cl- on a cloud, like through the school uh, for this tour. And they go to the dining hall. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like this is very spirited away feeling. Like so. She says, Mumblechuck says, the dining hall is state-of-the-art. Students eat whatever they please. Every meal is nutri- nutritionally balanced and mouthwateringly delicious. And then Mary is, like, is seeing all this, and she's like, I think my favorite subject would be lunch. <laughs> but there's, but it's weird, because there's, there's a pig guy using magic to roast a whole pig. Oh. Like, like it's a man that, that has, like, a pig face or whatever. That's and, a little but he's actually, But yes. he's roasting. Yeah, but he's roasting. Yeah, so you can kind of, like, that That was kind of telltale that maybe things aren't quite, like, what they. <laughs> yeah, like, something's a little off. What they say. Yeah. yeah, a little bit off. Yeah. Um, And there's a horse, a horse guy, or, like, he kind of has, like, mouse ears, and he's slicing meat from a vertical spit. Like a like vertically roasted meat uh, onto a plate with lettuce and cherry tomatoes. And there's like and then in the background nice, you see like, all Brazilian these Brazilian like, barbecue style. <laughs> yeah, and you see like lobster with cream sauce, fried rice with mushrooms, and like colorful uh, filled buns. Something that looks like tamales maybe, and it's really uh, kind of cool because it's a magic school. So the lunch trays are like transported on little flying carpet. They look like maybe they're placemats, but they look like little flying carpets. And then the, <laughs> so the lunch tray is put on that, and then just woo, 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 like floats through the air to the to the person who ordered it. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that that scene had so much food. Um, and then uh, yeah, kind of on that that kind of offness about the yeah, other they're showing like the animal like the pig guy is roasting a pig um, like in the book. And this, they don't, I don't think they have this in the movie, but in the book, they, the tour, Mary comes across their kids, or students who are doing, like, a, like, magical spells, like, a a chant, but it's like a nursery rhyme, a familiar nursery rhyme, but then some of the words are changed to make it kind of morbid, like... And so I think that, so that's kind of the idea that reminds me of, like, the pig guy roasting a pig. Like, it's kind of, it's like uh, this, like, 
twist like yeah anyway um and then there's dinner so mary has this experience where the little broom like flies her super fast to this magic school and mary's like oh my god you know it's like seeing all this stuff and then she heads back home and she's just like it was very a very weird exciting experience but she's so glad to be back down to earth like with great aunt charlotte Mm -hmm. uh and and so at the beginning of the movie you know it's this feeling that like her parents are gone and she's just like stuck with like she doesn't know what to do with herself and she's like stuck in this new place um but after she has a magic school experience and she returns home it's dinner to or excuse me i keep saying home returns back to aunt charlotte's she it's dinner time and it's like a beautiful meal uh and then she just starts eating like chowing down and miss banks is like mary slow down you'll get indigestion and mary says sorry but i'm but I'm so hungry and she says she had such an exciting day and it's so nice to be home and that was actually the first time that she ever called the place home and Aww. so that was like a special yeah. kind of like a special meal scene she's just like the food and just like being home like she yeah. considered it home Very and meaningful. like a safe place yeah and and that food was it was like watercress lightly fried tomatoes on lettuce tomato slices like a some brussels sprouts baked beans like battered fish or chicken or pork i don't know with like a rice sauce and then orange soup like maybe carrot or pumpkin soup and like mashed maybe red red skin mashed potatoes sourdough bread yeah so it's like wonderful foods (laughs) sounds like it um yeah and then the last food scene was like a, a a memory. She was having a memory, a magical memory, about um, like to give some background about what the problem is that's going on in the movie. Uh, and there was like a school picnic going on, and they had like fresh raspberries and tea and butter and bread and cheese. Um, and this was when, in the past, when the witch's flower was first discovered. Um, and so the head of the School, Miss Mumble, Madame Mumblechook, and one of the kind of her co-conspirator. Well, they were really good people back then. But then once they, so Doctor D was this other was a teacher. But when they saw the witch's flower, because it has super magical properties and and potential, um, like in that in that scene, Doctor D he like is chowing down on a like cheese and cracker. He has it in his hand, but then when he sees the flower, he, like, throws it, throws the food over his shoulder and just, like, covetously looks at this flower. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's, like, there he's having an enjoyable meal with the students, but then his, then he gets greedy, like, the greed kind of takes over. Anyway, so that was another, like, meaningful mm-hmm. food scene, like, a subtle thing. Um, yeah, so... If you want food, the book doesn't really have any, but the film super does. And I really, I really want to like make some more of the food. So, um, but other food wise, oh my gosh, my notes, my little note paper just blew under my bookshelf. Oh no! <laughs> wow, it's witchcraft. Think, oh my gosh, yeah, like it's it very cleanly went right under there. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm sitting next to my bookshelf. 
Um, <laughs> I think I read everything that was on it, though. Um, the Garden Sands Cafe was a Japanese, like, I don't know if it would be considered a pop-up shop. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's open anymore. But it was open, I feel, for longer than a normal pop-up shop. Oh, okay. Shop, so look at the pop-up themed, cafe. themed cafe. Yeah, so it was a themed cafe, which, oh my gosh, like, you could just have a trip to Japan to go to all their themed cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was Garden Sands Cafe uh, for Mary and the Witch's Flower, and they had a sandwich dish that I recreated back in November of 2016, actually. So it was when the movie was first announced. I was so crazy excited about it. I'm like, I want to make a food to, like, celebrate this. And uh, so I, like, did a, what do you call it, like a copycat? I don't, that sounds so negative, though. <laughs> a, a replica. <laughs> um, a replica of that sandwich. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'll share a link for that. Um, but uh, it had, like, a little... A little cat cookie, little black cat cookie, and um, a little broom, like edible broomstick. And I've made edible broomsticks before for Harry Potter, um, but of course, they're for every witch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And so I, I, yeah. And when I got this, the Mary, uh, the the little broomstick book in the mail, um, I was able to find a first edition of it, uh, and that I like made the little broomstick edible broomsticks Aww. to like take pictures with it. Nice. So I'll have a uh, link to that recipe. But the recipe that is that I've been saving for this episode of the podcast is a fly by night an edible fly by night flower. So the witch's flower is also called fly by night and blueberries. Like I can't See, I, I couldn't like see an image of the fly by night and not immediately think of blueberries because that's the little bell flowers um, of the that make up the fly by night. They look exactly like blueberries. Oh, okay. Um, and I learned what a calyx is uh, by making this recipe. So the calyx is the part on the blueberry that looks like a little crown. Do you know, like oh, the okay. center? Yes, it has, know exactly it's like the little ruffle, yes. little zigzag. Yeah. Um, so that's just a little tidbit. Nice. But I created, so I created edible ones with um, Pocky, so a Pocky stick, and you dip it in matcha chocolate. So you create, you use white chocolate and um, stir in some matcha powder to get green, a really nice green, yeah. and you dip the Pocky in it. And then you take some beautiful blueberries and stick them on. And you get some mint leaves and stick them on at the bottom. So basically, that's what it is. That's how you make that it. Like those, it's just a few ingredients. Yeah. yeah, I was. It was really fun. Um, and then I also brushed it with a little bit of like silver or like pearl dust, edible Ooh. pearl dust, to kind of give it that like magical shine. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't wait to see yeah. pictures. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's one of the ones that I'm pretty proud of. Like it's like a simple thing. Uh, it doesn't require, like, a ton of time or, or ingredients. Yeah, but very but, pretty. But I feel like that it looks... Yeah, so... <laughs> it's one of those ones where I'm like, hee I made that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really want to make the sandwich... Her picnic lunch, too. Yeah, like, that sounds... Just... Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the dinner sounds fun, too. 
Or it looked really good. Anyway, that, that's like a lot of talking about this, but I love. So I super recommend watching yeah, the film. Yeah, I can't wait to check and, it out. I haven't seen it yet, like, but that would be a great book, family but, movie night. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like, and eat, have a bowl of blueberries with it. Yes. <laughs> Let's make some blueberry snacks. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonderful. Well, we'll both post our recipes, and we will have links to those in the show notes on our um, website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Yeah, and you can find us on Twitter at FKPod and Instagram at Fiction Kitchen Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.